Welcome to Two Girls Who Read, a podcast. I'm Olivia. And I'm Lily, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything book-related. This week's topic is book recs from every genre. And when we say every genre, that's a loose term, because we kind of just made up genres a little bit. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, Lily and I are not horror readers and we are not other genre readers. We're not sci-fi readers. So to make up for that, we we have other genres. The genre gay. So I think that that. Yeah. And 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 lesbian lesbian and other ones. So. Yeah. So when we say it's a loose term, but there's quite a few genres in here to work with. So. Yeah, so honestly, we're kind of crunched for time today. We're going we're gonna to see how we so go. We're, gonna, we're just going to get going. Okay. First genre um, is fantasy. Also, there's going to be no spoilers this episode, so that's part of why we did it, because it's been a while since we've done one of these. So, everyone Spoiler can piece. enjoy. Yeah, so first genre is fantasy. Lily, what is your favorite book in the fantasy genre? Uh, my favorite book is An Ember in the Ashes by Sabah Tahir. Uh, this is a four-book fantasy series uh, following two main characters. One of them is named Leia, and she ends up going into Black Cliff Academy, basically the training grounds for this thing called the Empire, which rules their society. Uh, and she goes in to try to find information about her brother, who was taken and imprisoned by the Empire. Um, and she kind of poses as a slave um, so that she can basically get information and be around. Um, and then there's Elias, who was raised in the Empire. And he goes to school at Black Cliff Academy. And he knows all the horrors of what goes on with the Empire. And he's basically trying to escape and find a way out. And then obviously their paths cross. And it makes for a really good story. <laughs> I mean, it's four books, so hopefully it drags out nicely. Yeah, but, so many things happen, yeah. honestly. Like, it's kind of insane. Um, but I've never great. heard a bad thing about that series. Like, it's no, one it's of those so ones that I need to get around to. Um, because, yeah, just whenever anyone talks about it, they're like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. And I'm like... I would definitely reread it at some point. Uh-huh. Vibes. Um, okay. My favorite fantasy book is Legendborn by Tracy Dion. And we just did an episode on Legendborn last week. So you can go check that out for super, if you want like a super, super in-depth review of it, if you've read it. If as you've well. already read it. Yeah. Yeah. If you've already read it. it that one is a spoiler. Um, but basically, in brief, Legendborn is a King Arthur retelling that takes place in modern day and it follows the journey of Brie, who after the sudden death of her mum... Uh, goes to college and is trying to discover herself while also dealing with the grief of her mom and living away from home for the first time and she stumbles upon a secret society that is basically the 21st century version of the round table Um, and if you're not familiar with King Arthur at all basically King Arthur is like this magical king and he has a round table which is basically I I would say the best way of putting it is Akatar and the whole inner circle idea robbed from the round table so Mm -hmm. there you go and yeah basically Brie finds out she's a part of this magical society and she has all these powers and um yeah Basically, everyone is descendant of a different King Arthur uh, ancestor, and Brie is trying to figure out which one is hers, and trying to figure out how to control these new powers and this new uh, world. So it's very, very fun, all while uh, trying to figure out the cause of the death of her mom, because it's it's kind of a mystery. Yeah. And there's also a, a good really good love triangle. Yeah, yeah, it's actually it's just actually in case. A <laughs> it's a great yeah. love triangle. Yeah, just in case. I I've just remembered in that last, but I was like, oh wait, no, this is a this is a podcast of Lily and I's. Like the listeners are definitely looking for the romance as well. So if they're anything yes. like us, okay. Well, this is a good segue 
next genre is romance. Wow. I am so good. Thank you. Let me just say, I wanted to do a different book, but Olivia needed to take it because she couldn't think of any other romance books. So you'll see when Olivia does hers what I wanted to do. (laughs) Okay. No, but here's the thing. I read... We've... I don't know if we've talked about this before, but we're both of the firm opinion that we much prefer romance in other books. Like, a a fantasy book with romance in it is always going to be superior to, like, just a romance book because there's only so much you can do with just romance. But, like, there's so many more extreme, intense circumstances you can put your ships in if they're in, like, different genres. So, I... Every book I read has a bit of romance in it. It just has to. Um, But having one specific romance genre book, like, that was hard for me to find. You're making it sound like I never read romance at all when it's, like, one of my favorite genres. Okay. So, instead, I am doing... It's called Ever After Always by Chloe Lies. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, And, basically, this book follows... uh, a married couple they've been married for 10 years um and they've really started to have a lot of issues in their marriage because he works too much and doesn't really pay enough attention to her and she just kind of thinks it's because she's he's like not in love with her anymore but really he's dealing with so many of his own issues which i actually felt like were pretty well done in the scope of the book like i was actually surprised with the depth that went into like i was like hmm <laughs> I, I just wasn't expecting that from this book um but it definitely did a good job and basically it's just them kind of like falling back in love again after like 10 years of marriage and I don't know I thought it was kind of cute kind of fun like um the vibes were pretty good and uh I liked how it didn't have like a lot of things that like I didn't like in the romance genre like you know like the three-quarter way through breakup you know the like, mm. romance books always have like I like to mm-hmm. really have that um and I liked both the characters actually and it's like dual POV so you get both the characters POV so I feel like I feel like that's so much of the issue with romance books is you only get one character's point of view and then like it doesn't because romance is a two-sided thing right so you don't really get the other side but this is dual POV so that's kind of cool yeah I think it's a pretty popular opinion now that dual POV romance books are the superior romance books. I mean, they're such vibes. Because, like, romance books with only one POV make no sense. Because, like, you're just always on the character's side who, like, whose POV it is. Mm, but exactly. then, like, in this book, I was kind of alternating. I was like, oh, it's so his fault for fucking this up. And then I'd be like, no. Well, she could be doing this a bit differently too. She, to be fair, she's yeah. not really, and I would kind of keep going back and forth, which I feel like was, like, the intended response (laughs) yeah i definitely think it's more interesting as a reader to read dual povs um Mm. that's a bit awkward though because mine is a is a single pov romance book (laughs) but lily said she wanted to do it originally okay so we both been knew that we both love this book and that is the love hypothesis by ali hazelwood i know it's basic but leave me alone okay it was all I could think of. <laughs> and um, we have a whole podcast episode on this as well, if you've read it. So you can check that out to for all of our thoughts and feelings about it. Um, but basically, it follows the love story of PhD... Gra- no, grad student. Sorry, grad student Olive. Um, yeah, she's finding a PhD her- student. Oh, okay, cool. I had it right the first time. Yeah, PhD student Olive, when she finds herself in a sticky situation, when in a ploy to convince her best friend to finally go out with the guy that she has a crush on, um, but is, like, holding back because of Olive's previous feelings for him, uh, kisses her professor, Adam, and... No, he's not her professor. That's very important. (laughs) He is a professor. A professor, sorry. Sorry, my bad, my bad. And, yeah... We know it, it it walks a fine line. We are aware of that. It's yes, very I it sounds to... very it sounds it could have gone wrong in so many ways, but what's so great about this book is it's almost like that's the whole point and when you're reading it you slowly realise that like the author is just really, really good at taking the romance genre cliches 
and spinning them just enough that it feels fresh and unique, uh, which is exactly what I feel like you want in a romance book these days. It's got like all the tropes, really cute, and the characters are actually very well developed and fleshed out. But um, yeah, it's pretty good. Love Hypothesis, Ali Hazelwood. Okay, what's the next oh, genre? I didn't even mention that like they end up fake dating as well. That's, that's important. like the whole point. That's, that's the whole point of the novel. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm bad at this. I'm bad at explaining this book. I promise I read it. <laughs> um. Yes. Okay. Moving on to the dystopian genre. Okay. Um, okay, I feel like every dystopian book that is like, I don't read a ton of dystopian, okay? And so I feel like every dystopian that I do read is pretty well known. So yeah. I do apologize for this. But I I have to do Shatter Me. Shatter Me, it's just, we all I know feel it. like that's better. Honestly, I feel like out of all the super popular dystopian books, Shatter Me is like the most unique one like I, when i mean you could have mm. said hunger games and been like i'm so <laughs> quirky <laughs> yes but i'm saying shatter me solely because of aaron warner um the first no. three yeah <laughs> the first three are definitely better Aaron's lines in that book like Olivia has watched she watched me read some of these and literally every page I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god just something about the way it's written just how it's written is horrible can I just say as well (laughs) how it's written is horrible the writing does improve I will give the author that the writing (laughs) does improve but I think it's you know, it that's what gives it its charm. Yeah, the, but honestly, it's part of the experience. So, the writing is so bad that you don't expect good things to happen. Yeah. So then when they do, you're so shocked by them. <laughs> what if the author wrote Shatter Me in like a way that it was obvious she had a maybe a degree in creative writing? I wonder if we all would have been like, Shatter Me is not good. It's super basic, super predictable. Probably. Yeah, probably. But. Because I feel like the love for Shatter Me just comes from like when good things do happen, they just hit so hard because you're not expecting them because the writing is so subpar. (laughs) You're like, this crap can produce this? What the heck? Um, But it is true. I did watch her read. I think it was the second book I watched her read a bit and it was just painful. So good. It was painful on my part because I had no idea what was going on. So I could not relate to her at all. And it was just a lot to handle. I mean, this girl was kicking and screaming and giggling. Like, it was... And she doesn't do that a lot. We're pretty... I feel like we're calm and collected people at times. (laughs) At times. We have our moments. Um... But this, I had no excuses for her. If somebody walked in and was like, what is wrong with her? I would have been like, I don't know. We're still trying to figure it out. Like, because that was just the effect of Aaron Warner, I guess. So I believe it's a good, it's a good trilogy. The last three, no. You can't convince me that's good. Anyways, (laughs) my dystopian, it is popular. Um, It's not as popular as Shadow Me though so at least I can be a little bit different but I am in the same boat as Lily as I haven't really read a lot of uh, unique dystopian books so I am kind of stuck in the 2012 time loop a bit here but Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard that's um, a fantasy though it's dystopian that's not dystopian more than any other fantasy book is a dystopian. They literally it literally, no, powers. Lily, it literally is dystopian. The map, it, it's the United States in like a few years. The map, literally Victoria Aveyard designed the map as the United States. The names of the places are just names of like New York and Boston, but like she changed it around a bit. Hmm. This is true. Why are you... What is the I believe noises? you. I believe you. But it's definitely... Like, if you look up Red Queen, like, the genre of it, it's categorized in fantasy fiction and high fantasy. It's a dystopian fantasy. 
Okay, you're coming at me saying there's too many fantasy elements in Red Queen as if Shatter Me doesn't have lots of fantasy elements as well. It uh, I guess, it, yeah, it does, I guess. But, like, I feel like the whole, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the whole main dystopian vibe is, like, the whole, like, it involves the entire teardown system of the tyrannical government. and which That's Red in Queen Red Queen. Really it does. Really. I don't want yes, to spoil it. Does. Red Queen. <laughs> kind of. But, like, the whole point of it was that they're like, oh, I don't want to spoil it. You know I find it so <laughs> ironic on. that this is the book that our friendship developed over because it's the one that we always disagree about the most. Like, we never really That's disagree about books, but developed. except for Red Queen. Yeah, Red Queen is the one thing. Like, we'll. Like, we really started at the it. bottom, so we could only go up from there. Like. Okay, yeah, go on. Anyway, Red Queen by Victoria Aviat is a dystopian fantasy novel <laughs> that follows the journey of me- Don't at me, right? <laughs> okay, let me let me finish, okay? It's a dystopian fantasy novel that follows the journey of Mayor Barrow and in a world divided by the colour of your blood, reds being normal people and silver-blooded people are uh, having superpowers pretty much or like magical abilities mayor barrow a red blood finds herself defying expectations when she discovers although that she is a red blood she has the ability to uh control and manipulate lightning which is an ability that has never been seen before in any blood at all and any silver blood and so uh in the face of these trying times of uh, inequality. Uh, Mayor Barrow finds herself becoming un, uh, volunt- involuntarily a symbol of hope and justice, I guess. Like any cliche dystopian book. Um, I would say some of the highlights of this is uh, as you go on, there's actually a lot of really cool characters that you can spend a long time discussing. I mean, Lily and I have dedicated entire podcast episodes evaluating the mental state of these characters, which I mean is... Which uh, is not, it's sh- not a good mental state. <laughs> it's not a good mental state. But I think it goes to show that, like, Victoria Avia did a pretty good job writing it. And also, it was the fir- it was the book series that got me back into reading in 2020, so... I am a little bit biased, but I like it. And you, you know what's going up is my favorite. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite dystopian. Okay, Miss, moving on before we get <laughs> before we talk about this book anymore and it gets too heated. Uh, mystery slash dark academia. Now we know that these genres are not equal to each other, but the books that we answer also fall into the dark academia vibes. They fall into both categories. So that's why we decided to put this in case you want a mystery, in case you want a dark academia. These work for both. <laughs> We're catering to all. We're doing a great job as book rec people. So don't come for us, please. Okay. My mystery slash dark academia book, and this one definitely is for sure both, um, is called if we are villains by ml rio i read this book back in january and it has been my favorite book of 2022 so far um and i've read some pretty good books in 2022 um but this book was incredible basically it follows a character named oliver who 10 years prior to where we are in the novel um was studying at a prestigious arts university and he was studying Shakespearean theater and before you are like oh my god you I hate Shakespeare I do too okay (laughs) (laughs) we are we are not Shakespeare lovers here no 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 no. I do not like Shakespeare okay literally when we were assigned Shakespeare readings in school I did not read them I read the synopsis online like so I literally like I'm not a Shakespeare fan at all, but I loved this book. Uh, he's studying Shakespearean theater uh, with a group. I believe it's him and six others are in, and they're in their final year, their fourth year, and things really start to pick up between this group. There's starting to be some drama, some tension in the group, and basically one day one of them is found dead, uh, and. Basically, you know that 10 years in the future, 
Oliver has just finished serving 10 years in prison for the murder of this individual. I don't want to say the person's name because you don't know who it is when you start the book. Um, and the cop who put him behind bars was never fully convinced that he put the right person behind bars. And so he's been trying to get the story out of him for years. And now that he's finally out of prison, he's willing to tell the story of what happened that night. Um, and basically the book just follows these, uh, all these Shakespearean actors basically trying to convince the police and themselves that they did nothing wrong. Um, They're also very method actors too, I feel like is an important thing to mention. Yes. (laughs) And as the book goes on, it just gets a lot more intense and things kind of start to crumble a bit for them until basically the inevitable happens and you find out who did it. Who done it. And if Oliver has been rightfully put in prison or wrongfully put in prison. I'm betting that he was wrongfully put in prison. I haven't read it, but you know what? (laughs) I'm going to try my luck and just say maybe he was wrongfully prisoned. Um, Mm. mm. Anyway, you can't respond to that, so I'm just going to move on to mine. Oh, just the last thing I was going to say is how I would describe this book is that it's like one of us is lying if it was done right. Oh, the shade love to see because here's the thing a lot of people complain about the one of us is lying reveal because it's kind of a similar thing it's like you get to know all these characters and the whole time you're getting to know them you're having a really hard time because you're like oh i kind of like every single one of these characters but one of them is a murderer like (laughs) yeah that's fair that's fair but you know one of us is lying a lot of people were disappointed with the ending whereas in this book i was pleased with the ending (laughs) so yeah that's good okay so one of us lying done right Alright. Very, very, very nice. Okay, so my mystery slash dark academia wreck, it kind of leans more towards the dark academia. However, there is mystery elements to it. So that is The Atlas Six by Olivier Blake. This book has been a hot topic as of recently because it's just been re-released after really uh, coming out of nowhere and being a, a surprising success amongst uh, social media as a self-published book. Uh, but basically, Olivia Blake has signed up with, I think, Macmillan Publishing, and they just re-released the book. And uh, yeah, if you want our Dark Academia vibes, this is the book you go to. It pretty we also much. Also, very recently did a podcast on this as well. Like a follow-up. yeah, that's good. We're chasing the clout today as well. So yes. yes so basically my impression of the atlas six it's kind of like it falls into that same category that stories like squid game and the hunger games falls into where i don't know what you would call it wait actually no i would know what you would call it because i put it in my goodreads review and i remember i was really proud of my goodreads review i'm not gonna read the whole thing because it's super long but just the first line was okay this this is what i wrote in my review um this scratched an itch in my reader brain i didn't know needed to be dark academia with a sprinkle of compulsory murder who would have thought i feel like that's a good way of describing the novel it's like dark academia with a sprinkle of murder and that same feeling that i feel like you also get in if we were villains of well i don't feel like i can trust all of you it's like i can't get too invested in you guys but you still kind of do because every single character is an icon and they are the moment and you will want to make out with all of them at one point unless you are a weirdo um or other i don't know what the other category would be yeah (laughs) but basically there's this society called the alexandrian society which every single year anoints six yeah, it's called the Atlas Six. It's six, okay? It anoints six people to uh, join the society uh, for the for a year. But however, at the end of the year, one of them has to be eliminated and only five can fully enter the society where they will reach unlimited access to unlimited knowledge, which can, uh, yeah, basically make them kind of the most powerful people in the world because knowledge is power children and yeah it's 
kind you kind of in the beginning are like where what can she do with this pre- this premise like this can't be too crazy but no it gets crazy it gets crazy and it gets super super sexually charged i would say <laughs> they all could sleep with each other and you would not be mad about it but in a good way so i like this book i liked it too it was really good yeah can't wait for the second one yeah, and it's also part of a series. The second one's coming out this year, and I'm very excited too. And lastly, I will just say, um, I had something to say, but I forgot. Maybe it's irrelevant. <laughs> Never mind. We'll move on. <laughs> I'm a great podcaster. <laughs> she's, she's a podcaster. It's almost I'm like we've been doing this for like a year and a half. Ew. Has it been a year <laughs> and a half? Have we been talking about books on the internet for a year and a half? The half is really <laughs> doing something to me. I, th- I thought it was a year. Anyways, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, time for my pers- one of my personal favorite categories, gay. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Um, yeah. Okay, so I this is actually a really fun one because this is. Uh, so basically, I'm just gonna start. Um, my recommendation is Dark Rise by C. S. Pacat. I think is her last name. Um, this is fun because it is a new release this year. This one just came out at the, when was it? Like, early I don't know, because I got it as an arc, so, so I got I. it before the release date <laughs> Actually, I think came it was out. late 2021. I think it was late 2021 that this came out. Mm. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but basically, this book is a really fun new fantasy series. On the back of the book, it describes it as for fans of Lee Bardugo and V.E. Schwab, and I must say I have to agree, that's a pretty perfect description of this book. I can um, see that. And it's gay. So. <laughs> and even in the first scene, like in the prologue or whatever, there's even there's like sexual tension straight away between some of the guys. It's super fun. Anyway. Well, and here's the thing. As I'm going through this whole book, because, you know, I got it as an arc. I read it before it came out. Um... I spent this whole time trying to figure out who, because I knew it was the main character, obviously, because it was really put as really great gay representation. So, like, for that to be the case, it, you know, it has to be the main character, right? So, Mm. this whole time, every time this main character interacted with a guy, I was looking for tension, okay? (laughs) I was like, all right, is, are you the gay? Are you the gay? Are you? Anyway. I was but it actually is valid though yeah oh sorry i was yeah. just gonna say it actually is valid to look for it because sometimes when a publishing big publishing conglomerates yeah. are like this is a gay book but then you get to the end and you're like they held hands one time you're telling me that was a couple and in, in like a oh yeah. yeah yeah so i was i was really i was like i was hoping i was i was looking for the representation okay like i was i was just trying to see because you know i had to review this book as an arc right so I was yep. trying to see if I needed to be giving it a bad review for bad marketing. Because I literally, mm. when they sent me this book, I got, like, emails about this. I was like, okay. So I'm, I'm going to need I'm gonna yeah. need good representation because you guys have been emailing me about this. <laughs> and I was not disappointed. <laughs> you were looking for the gay. The gay found you, which is what you want yes. in a gay book. <laughs> there, there's this one scene that I that happened between these two characters and I was like wow that was so well written <laughs> like it just lives in my mind rent free just because of how good she wrote like the tension between these characters I was like it's amazing mm. um the, yeah. yeah the author I was just gonna say the author as well seems like such an icon they like live in Melbourne and they have been planning out this book for 10 years or something because when you get arcs for books like this they send you a lot of like background information um to yes for you to like shove in when you advertise it a bit um so I guess we're doing exactly what they intended for the extra information to do but it is really impressive they literally spent like 10 years planning out this book and yeah so like that's pretty yeah. incredible and it's gonna be like a trilogy i believe so i'm super excited um if i'm gonna be quite honest the plot of this book i'm definitely gonna have to reread it before the second one mm. um but that's fine because i enjoyed it so much i definitely don't mind doing that uh the plot you know when a fantasy book is just like so complex but in a good way 
like yeah. it wasn't so complex like i understood it when i was reading it it's just that because it's been a while since i read the first one i definitely will need to read it again before the second um yeah but i find that always happens when you get the first book of a fantasy series and you can't go straight into the second one 100 percent. i'm thinking like every fantasy That's book i've read very recently common yeah very common thing um but yeah it was incredible and also the ending like i was really surprised like i was like oh my god oh. This t- like like the ending has had one of my favorite things that i'm like this should like I, i've said it i was like this is one of those things that should be done more in books but it's never mm. really done and the author did it and i loved it <laughs> interesting so oh. i'm so excited for the second one now <laughs> fun okay mm-hmm. here's my thing i was gonna do red wine and royal blue however i feel like we're at a point where that that just like we don't need to know about red white and royal blue anymore like we know it exists it's just there you know and so i want to bring some attention we have like a podcast episodes on red white and royal blue we brought it up in a bunch of episodes by casey mcquiston great story uh you can go check those out if you want more information on it i want to bring light to light a a graphic novel which i think is about to get a lot of hype and quite frankly i think it deserves it and that's heartstopper by alice osman osman forgive me for us <laughs> probably mispronouncing majority of these authors names okay we could not find the pronunciations but anyway this is a graphic novel that i was seeing a lot about on tiktok like maybe i guess a year and a half ago like around when we started this podcast ew um but yeah it was about like a year and a half ago people were talking about it and I thought it was very it had me very curious because it was the first time I'd seen a graphic novel getting a lot of hype and mainstream book talk like you never really see that and so I checked out the first one and I read it in like an hour and it was so cute and then I read the second one and it was cute as well and there's two more that I'm yet to read, but I'll, however, I wanted, I didn't get around to doing it because I heard that they were making a TV show out of it. And I kind of felt like I wanted to experience this story as a TV show and then maybe go watch, uh, read the graphic novels after, like the other two, because, um, yeah, I have a feeling that this show is going to be really, really good. The tra- like the teaser dropped and the cast is immaculate as far as I'm concerned. But basically, it's a story about uh, two British high school boys who are struggling with their... One of them... Um, I can't remember names. It's been so long since I've read it. But one of them basically is out as gay and they are pretty much the gay kid of their school. You know how that's like... Uh, often a big thing that uh, kids who come to terms with their sexuality early on have to deal with they're like just the gay kid anyway he's uh struggling kind of with that um and being the only gay out like proud gay kid in his uh british high school um and then he meets a another british high school boy who everybody assumes to be straight because he is basically the poster child of like hetero looking boy he's on the football team he's like a jock but it's super super cute because uh out and proud gay guy has like a bit of a crush on football boy because he keeps doing things like defending him i think the guy okay i think one of them's called charlie i think charlie's the proud gay one i really should have researched this but it's really good anyway follows their cute little love story and um yeah it's really adorable and also it's one of those stories where the side characters romances are just as iconic as the main couple's romance um and so that's another reason why i'm super excited for the show as well because i cannot wait to see some of the cute little like lesbian romances uh, that are also in the books but more in the background and yeah so heartstopper by alice oseman super easy reads and they're super cute and just something if you want like a light cozy easy to read gay thing that that was a beautiful description if i do say so myself gay thing 
big gay. <laughs> light, cozy, easy to read gay thing. <laughs> okay. I'm uh, assuming lesbian. the next character. The ne- yeah, I was going to say. I'm <laughs> category is lesbian. Okay. Jesus. So, uh, my lesbian recommendation. I actually just read this one and I really enjoyed it um, because I feel like I often read lesbian books uh, or women love women books and I'm so excited because <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh like so excited to see this and then the characters like hold hands like one time and I'm like mm. lesbian books are the reason <laughs> Lily was searching for the gay in the dark rise is what we're trying yeah. to say oh like mm. I, I I read one recently where it was really hyped up it's this amazing lesbian um, fantasy novel and they kissed one time in the last 10 pages of the standalone so i was a little disappointed um but this one i actually did like uh it's called last night at the telegraph club by melinda Lowe. uh and basically this book takes place in the 1950s um in san francisco i believe um and our main character lily it's my name (laughs) she I always find it so weird because that's a pretty common name in books. I always find it so weird when I'm reading characters with the same name as me. I don't know. But. No, I I find it weird. I find it weird. I have. Olivia's more common than Lily, so I come across it a lot and I can't stand it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just know, like, especially with, like, how popular, like, it ends with us is right now. And I always see TikToks. It's like when Lily does this. And I was like, wait. What? (laughs) I <laughs> yeah. All the time. I don't like that you have the same name as the girl from It Ends with Us. <laughs> yes. Uh, I do. See, Olivia's like that level of popularity that it's too cliche to do. So like super popular authors, like no yeah, super popular really authors going to call themselves Olivia. Olivia. Yeah, it's more a side character name because if you name yeah. a main character Olivia, like it's already been done a million times before. So think of something original. Go for Lily because that's so much better. <laughs> Yes. And so, yes. Um. Anyway. Oh, little side note. I'm sorry. But I love how the character in Edsipa's name is Lily Bloom. Like, her last name is Bloom. And she decides to open a flower shop because she's so quirky. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's giving she's America so singer being a singer. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. Now I'm on a character's name rant. Anyway, but... <laughs> Lily, who is 17, she's in her senior year of high school, and basically, obviously, it's the 1950s. It is not considered um, socially acceptable to be a part of the LGBTQ community, especially as a woman. Nice. Um, (laughs) Huh? That's yes. That's one way of putting it. (laughs) And she is from a Chinese family during the 1950s when basically the Red Scare was happening and basically they were deporting anyone that they thought might be communists. And because America was slash still is incredibly racist, they just assumed that the Chinese were all every Chinese American was a communist. So they were like trying to deport her family as well, even though they were all citizens Mm. and she'd only ever lived in America and her parents had been born and raised in america well her dad came to america when he was pretty young but he was a citizen uh anyway so quite unfortunate and then she is ends up falling in love with someone she goes to school with and they both end up going to this lesbian bar together called the telegraph club and it's really cute i really liked their romance um and overall it was just a, it was just a really good book so yeah vibes Last night, yeah, I don't have anything to add. Vibes. Um, vibes. Vibes. Okay, I'm going to do the lesbian book, The Night in the Moon. Now, I have a confession to make because I can't. The Night and Its Moon. Yeah, it, it, the, here's the confession. I have not read this book, but Lily has. And before... We, because the only lesbian books I could think of were like super cliche ones and I didn't and look there's nothing wrong with cliche ones it's just I think we've already recommended those ones so much like I wanted to do something new and also Lily's actually Lily's been on her woman love woman grind recently I feel so I have 
yeah, we wanted to give some recognition to those books instead. And so I am going to try and you sell want me to, to you. just explain the name. I want to give it a go because I <laughs> it's not the first okay. time I've done Even this. Olivia hasn't read it. I had this book was very good. If you look it up on Goodreads and see it has a bad review, it's because the editor of this book got cancelled and then people rated the book really poorly because of it. It's not a bad book. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and so if you don't know anything about the drama, basically don't blame the author. It was the editor. It got rated really low, but don't. We like the author, Piper CJ. We like her. She responded to Lily's discord message. So she's in our good graces now. Um, she did. She did. You can tell she really put her heart and soul into this book. And honestly, it's her debut novel. And she basically had a non-existent editor. And with that in mind, I was really impressed. I was like, okay, I've read books by really popular authors, <coughs> Sarah J. Maas, who has access to all the editing resources in the world. And this book was better than those. So, and it's self-published <laughs> too, as well. And she yeah, really did exactly. She did more as a self-published author than most traditionally published authors do. Like you can, she, you can buy candles that smell like the characters from this book off of her website she, has she wrote out like recipes yeah she's awkward this is how like she literally wrote out recipes that her characters eat in the book or like lists of the food that they eat in the book crazy and like also, that's next level it is stuff now, if you if you also want to wait a tiny bit it's being professionally edited now Mm-hmm. Um, so if you do want to wait a little bit till the new edition comes out, you definitely can. But like the premise of it's gonna stay the same, so we're just gonna recommend it anyway. Yeah. So the night and it's moon by Piper CJ. Piper CJ. This is this is my little dot point savvy. So we have two women. We have Amaris and we have Knox. Okay, they both grow up in the same orphanage because this is a fantasy series of quality, and none of them have parents. And so they're both in an orphanage and then one day a brothel shows up and it's like, we want to buy a Maris because she's pretty. A woman and who works in a brothel, who owns a brothel. A woman who owns, yeah, the, the brothel building didn't just appear outside the orphanage and was like, that one. But yeah, a lady who owns a brothel, brothel shows up to the orphanage and is like, we want a Maris, we'll give you money and sell her to us. And Maris is obviously not too keen on this idea um because how old are they she's like 15 (laughs) yeah because she's like 15 and anyway so amarius ends up escaping and convinces an assassin to buy her instead uh so she doesn't so she can't be bought so she's off the market anyway so amarius escapes the clutches of this evil brothel however Knox, her little Bestie Boo from the orphanage unfortunately does not because the brothel just goes ahead and buys Knox. So then Amaris and Knox are separated for many, many years. And then we have a time jump and we have lots of fantasy action. And I'm going to say you have to read the book to find out what happens next because that's all the knowledge I know as somebody who hasn't read the book. So if you like it, let me know <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'll get back to you. <laughs> but yes is there anything you would like to add lily nope i think that is good see i can do it i good job me okay next moving on to a genre where i have actually read a book uh have a book for that i've read uh historical fiction all right i'm gonna go off this is a fairly popular one again but i don't read a ton of historical fiction uh, so I'm going to go off and just say The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. This is one of my favorite books I read in 2021 and does fall into the historical fiction genre. So how can I not put that as my recommendation? Um, uh, this book follows this girl named Addie LaRue who in the 1700s, the early 1700s, she is trying to escape her arranged marriage because it's the 1700s and she was 16 and unmarried, so that's pretty despicable. No, she was older than that. She was like 23. But it was absolutely despicable. She wasn't married, so they try to marry her off to some like 40 year old man. And she runs away and basically begs any of the gods who are listening to help her. And but it's after dark. And the whole point of this book is never pray to the gods who answer after dark. So she summons a 
we actually argued about what we thought he was, whether it was a demon or a god or an, I don't know, or the devil Luke. himself. Well, we here's argued, the thing. But. His name is L-U-C, which could, is pretty much Lucifer shortened, or like it could be very easily. So, yeah, it's never really confirmed what he is, but, um, you know, on purpose. But, yeah, basically, but- he bad news. He's bad news. And basically, he's like, yeah, uh, I'll help you. And she's like, I want time. I want freedom from everyone's expectations of me. To which he's like, no. And she's like, what do you mean? And then basically, she agrees to give him her soul once she's gone. So he's like, all right, sick. To which basically, she figures out that. To which she wakes up and she's like, oh my god, does that even work? And realizes that now she is immortal, has unlimited time, but the part of her curse is that no one can remember her. So she sees someone and then they have a conversation, but as soon as she's out of their line of sight, they'll come back and be like, oh, who are you? Which makes it really hard for her to live life because, you know, she can't have an apartment or a home or friends or a significant other because like literally everyone just forgets her and until one day in 2014 uh she meets this boy named henry at a bookstore and he can remember her so that really turns the tables but the book really goes back between the book takes place between like the 1700s all the way up to the 2000s it really jumps back and forth between time and you see a lot of historical events take place through her eyes because she's lived through every single one of them so it's pretty cool yeah and it's an incredibly well-written book like even just the history of Addie LaRue as a character alone like the way V.E. Schwab like uh handled that and uh fleshed that out you can tell that she did an incredible job building this character in this world because oh my god I would have been so confused if I was her trying to write this it's insane um but yeah okay my historical fiction book is going to be a a third book in a trilogy called Clockwork Princess by Cassandra Clare from the Infernal Devices trilogy from the Shadowhunter Chronicles yes it's a handful I know but before you start going at me and being like, oh my god, the Shadowhunter Chronicles, it's so confusing, I'll never get into it just because there's too many books, it's ridiculous. Lily was like that too once and now she claims the Shadowhunter Chronicles characters to be her emotional support Shadowhunters. So we all have our pre-Shadowhunter phase and yeah. just so you know, I'm giving you a rec where you don't need to read any of Cassandra Clare's other books, you don't even know need to know what they're about. Because you can just read this trilogy on its own, and it's an incredible trilogy. Um, yeah, this was the this, first Shadowhunter book I read, so. Yeah, these were the first Shadowhunter books we both ever read. And I had seen the show, which had given me a little bit of knowledge about how the world worked, um, based on Cassandra Clare's first Shadowhunter series, which is The Mortal Instruments. However, Lily had never even seen the show. She didn't even know anything about the Shadowhunter world, how it worked, and she still... I would say you consider this one of your favorite trilogies. Would that be a safe sure. statement? Yeah, cool. Um, but basically, it follows a premise. Um, it's set in 1800s London. And it f- we set the scene when Tessa Gray uh, comes and visits London after her brother has sent her a letter telling her to like come visit her from America. And she shows up in London and basically, like, in the first chapter, gets kidnapped by these people. And Tessa very quickly finds out that she uh, has quite an interesting magical ability to uh, shapeshift, which she never realized. And uh, very quickly, she is thrusted into this world of magic and shadow hunters, which is basically a, a fancy word for demon hunter. And... Tessa meets two shadow hunters in particular that she takes a liking to. One is Will Herondale, classic dark-haired boy with trauma, has a love for reading, super broody and dark and closed off for reasons we don't understand in the beginning, but of course there's a tragic backstory behind it. And then we have Jem, who's like super nice guy. He's got silver hair because he's light and he's 
he's fun. Well, he's not actually fun. He's actually quite serious, I would say. I, f- I think Will's more the fun one. But that's not to say Jem doesn't have his strengths. He plays the violin. He's soulful. He teaches you how to enjoy life and the essence of it and whatever and all that mumbo jumbo he, about he's, art. He's Mr. Corset Man. <laughs> he's Mr. Corset Man. Here's the difference between Will and Jem. <laughs> Here's the difference between Will and Jem. That's Will? what we all cared about. Let's be honest. I was just saying what we all wanted Listen, for those of you who don't understand, the difference between Will and Jem that really matters and all you need to know is that Will doesn't know how to take a corset off, but Jem will certainly do it in record time and you will let him. Okay, that is what matters here. Anyway, it's one of the best love... Tri- I I say it's one of the best love triangles in literature that I've ever read. Yes, for sure. If not the best. And yes, the... Yeah, you... Basically, read it for Hair and Grace Stairs, which is the love triangle name, but it's got so much more than that. It's got everything. It's got action. It's got weird, evil robots, and I won't say I much actually, else. actually, like, literally, like, I, whenever I, like, because I recently reread, well, I didn't recently, like, a year ago, I reread the book, and mm. the plot was actually a lot more, like, well it is <laughs> it's super well thought out like there's literally things in the main plot of like the second and third books and whatever that is foreshadowed in like some of the first chapters that you don't even realize until you reread it or whatever it's crazy towns um even little things about the characters and whatever that you don't find out till there's later a lot of there's a lot of foreshadowing for sure because I remember I went through and tapped foreshadowing when I reread it and there was more than I thought exactly forewarning though if you have a heart like me you will cry if you don't like Lily you will not cry I will still cry you will cry hold on you will cry just not at the epilogue (laughs) epilogue wasn't that sad the book no we're not getting into this right now (laughs) I'm just going to say it very briefly for the listeners. If the rest of the book wasn't so flippin' sad, I probably would have sobbed at the epilogue. But it's just the way that I was had already had my heart torn out and slowly pieced back together. That, like, by the time I got to that, I was like, this is nothing, man. Like, I've already been through the ringer with this. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so. that's... Okay. Yeah. And I'm not... And, and another thing to add, I'm not a fan of sad books. I hate crying. I don't like doing it. It's... No. Uh, it's like toxic masculinity, but I'm a woman, so I don't know what that means for me. But um, yeah, I don't like crying and I'm not one of those people, you will never catch me dead looking up books that make you cry. However, this still was a phenomenal book and I shed so many tears. Um, it put me in like a depressive episode for like a solid day, the third one. But it's part of why it's so great. Um yeah so that's my historical fiction we're getting a bit too deep now so let's just move on favorite series i think i have to live up to my name now with my emotional support shadow hunters because i'm gonna recommend mm. it to shadow oh but which shadow hunter series there's so many well, it's obviously not the Mortal Instruments so that leaves the dark card. Well, obviously, I know that. So I was like, who am I kidding? I know what it is. I'm trying to build suspense, Lily. Trying to be a good <laughs> podcaster. God. Yes. So The Dark Artifice is by Cassandra Clare. It's one of her most recent series. This one does not take place in the 1800s, but does take place in 2012? Question mark. Yes. In Los Angeles. I don't know. I'm not in- like you. I don't know these details. I think it's in, it, it is in 2012. I was going to say 2015, but that's when the Wicked Powers is going to happen. So, 2012. It's before gay marriage um, was legalized. <laughs> yes. that's, see, I don't remember the details, like, what year it was in, but I remember those kind of details. I was like, ah, oh, gay marriage, not legal yet. Got it. Okay. Not legal in the United States. Canada had already had it legalized for some time. <laughs> I think Australia had it for about... No, I don't think Australia had it yet. I think it was 2016 or something. Anyways. Yes. We're one year out. (laughs) Anyways, we're getting off track. Um, So, 2012. (laughs) 
and basically we're now following a different set of characters um these characters come into play at the end of the mortal instruments you don't have to read the mortal instruments to understand them olivia didn't but i would recommend maybe googling a few things about the last mortal instruments book just so you can have a little brief outline but she does a good job of putting flashbacks to the scenes that you like need to know actually yeah she still explains it with flashbacks but it's just you won't feel anything in the flashbacks when she does them because you'll be like oh my god i remember that moment the third book definitely hits harder if you've read the last three books on the mortal instruments the first three books don't really matter but the third book hits much harder um like olivia like i wouldn't be surprised because remember how i said the third one was my favorite Mm. i would not be surprised if it's like your least favorite fun because like it just hits a lot harder if you've like know some things (laughs) um i just can't wait to read it now thank you so much well it's still good obviously (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying i'm just saying i don't know if you like it as much as i did anyway so basically it follows a new set of characters emma and julian they're parabatai and if you know anything about the Shadowhunter world which you might not basically parabatai is like a little magical bond that basically it's like your partner for life you know like you do everything together and you know having a parabatai gives you certain magical strengths like you know in a platonic way though in a platonic way that's the key piece here (laughs) yeah Um, will and Jem were parabatai that's fun they were they were um, so basically, they became Parabatai, but you could tell it was a bit of a rushed decision. The only reason they became Parabatai was so that they wouldn't be separated. Bad call. <laughs> because then now they're adults and end up falling in love. And that's a bit of a problem because Parabatai are not allowed to date. So it creates a little bit of drama. But I don't know. I would say I love this book just mostly for like all the characters that were in it. Because even like the quote unquote side characters, like were so good um Mm. i loved every single one of them like and it was just really like it's just such a comfort thing because like all the all the relationships between these characters is adorable like i don't really have a favorite so great i don't really have like a favorite ship from these books or like a favorite like i don't even have like a favorite character really because like they're all just good in their own way like it's so hard like if you ask me to pick a favorite character it's like eight No, they're so good. Like, a testament to how good they are is in the gay category. I literally was like, if these two characters had a book from the Dark Artifices, I would put them down as gay just because they're, like, the greatest gay thing I've ever read. But all we have is crumbs. So I can't do it. But they're just that good. And they're, like, a side character. Like, a minus side characters. Like, And this book made me emotional. Like, I had spoilers for certain sad things so i was like okay like i'm not gonna cry because i know it happens i still bawled really hard so like it's just it brings out some emotion in you and that's coming from the girl that doesn't have a heart and didn't cry at the epilogue so that means something yes yes it does (laughs) i'm kidding i always get scared because when we record these we can't see each other's faces so i always get nervous that while we're recording these one day we're going to finish and i'm going to think like we were joking and lily's actually going to be looking at me like super pissed off and i'm gonna be like what happened <laughs> and she'll be like you called me a heartless bitch oh and i'm like oh it was a joke <laughs> it's okay, I'm, okay. Used to you be- I'm used to you calling me a heartless bitch by now so oh my god okay <laughs> 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 now when you hang up i'm gonna be like i can't believe you said that lily <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay my favorite series look it's rough out here guys my first instinct was to put down a series but i don't i want to move past it i want to be better than it because when i say that this is my favorite series i just don't feel proud about it anymore so I picked a new one, <laughs> so which is like more like my second favorite series. But we're gonna go the Naturals by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Really? Well, here's the thing: it's the only other one that I could really think of. I don't read a lot of se- a, a lot of my favorite series are like incomplete, <laughs> so I can't really yeah. say they're my favorite. You know? Yeah. So I, I'm it is, I'm here. Okay. When I said when I said really, like it's it's an incredible series. Like I nagged Olivia to read it for months, but I was just she surprised did. that it was her favorite series. And not. It's a series that I feel like if it had the hype that it deserved, 
I would, I would have said this a long time ago, I guess. Like, I would be a lot more invested in it. But here's the thing. Jennifer Lynn Barnes is also the same author as uh, The Inheritance Games, which has got lots of hype on BookTok, I would argue. However, Jennifer Lynn Barnes has this other series that she wrote before The Inheritance Games that Lily read, like, yonks ago. And it's called The Natural Series. And it's got four books. But for whatever reason, we know the reason. It's because the covers are hideous. It didn't gain the hype. So, however, that's not to say it's not great. Book Book Talk would love this book. Like, yeah, they would literally love this book. Uh, There's a guy called Michael in it. And... Uh, I always describe Michael as the Nikolai before Nikolai and it's it's true in my opinion because it's my opinion so of course I think it's true but basically premise set the scene I don't know what year it is before gay marriage is legalized probably I think it's actually (laughs) after you know how there's like a you know there's like bc and then like yeah yeah, it's like before gay marriage and after gay marriage. That's how we think here. B G M A G M. I don't know when it is though, so this brings nothing to the conversation. But it's like modern dayish, we'll just say. Uh what's the main girl's name? Do you remember? Oh my god. Uh Cassie. Oh, good job. Yes, Cassie. So Cassie is uh working in a cafe. It's fun. Chapter one, this guy walks in, goes, hey, like, guess what I'm going to order? And, oh, and Cassie's like, haha, whatever. But then the guy goes, no, I know you know what I'm going to order. So just tell me. Because we very quickly learn that Cassie has this ability that she adapted when she was adopted when she was young due to lots of trauma. And she can read body language and like facial expressions and stuff like that at like such an intense rate that she can basically guess how you're going to act about or react to a situation. So for example, she can guess based on how you dress and like how you act if you're a bacon and eggs kind of person or something like that. And so basically very quickly, Cassie proves herself to be of interesting talent and where it gets fascinating, though, is Bacon and Eggs guy, who we quickly find out is Mr. Nikolai before Nikolai, Michael, is like, hey, if you ever want to, like, enhance this or use this, like, call this number. But the Michael goes, but if I were you, I wouldn't. And so what do you get do when you get told not to do something? You do it. And then Cassie quickly gets inducted into the society for the FBI because, of course, the FBI has a, has a little society of young teens who have these ridiculous abilities um, to help them solve cold cases. Um, basically, uns- no, cold cases, murder cases that have already been solved. I don't really know what they expected to do with that. No, I don't know. No, it, they were, like, they were trying to solve cold cases that like the fbi wasn't able to solve so they like put them Uh, okay thank you um but yeah the what i really like about this book it's got lots of fun trips it's got found family most prominently um it's got a love triangle i did not like the love triangle that was one thing i will say (laughs) i did not like the love triangle um However, it's all the books are like super good. Every single one of them. I finished the four book series in like one week um, just because I was so obsessed with it and it was so fun. And there's, oh, and also fun fact. Yeah, it is a murder mystery because of course solving cold cases only goes so far until they start solving cases that uh, directly affect their lives and it becomes kind of matters of life and death in some situations. So they really have to get on that grind and stop people from dying and it's fun okay it's fun. <laughs> and it's fun um but yeah it's really good and i like it and honestly i do intend to read the inheritance games one day just because i have faith in jennifer lynn barnes after reading the naturals she's also like got a phd in psychology so uh, she uses that a lot in her writing and it's super fun and fresh. Okay. Cool. Did we want to finish it off? For. 
Yeah, I was gonna ask. An hour. Yeah. So, I don't know. What we do can, you think? We can do one more. And then we'll go. Alright. Just give us five more minutes of your time if you're still here. <laughs> you might regret it. I don't know. That's up to you to decide. Okay. okay standalone. Favorite standalone. Go. Uh, mine. My new favorite standalone lately has been Verity by Colleen Hoover. Uh, it is a psychological thriller about a ghostwriter named Lowen who goes to finish a famous author's book series after she is incapable after a horrible car accident and has very traumatic head injury and ends up fine in her attempt to uh, better get to know the author she's trying to write the book about. She is in her home office reading a lot of her previous books and learning about her family, her life. Um, she knows that this family has gone through a lot of tragedy. They have one son. Her, it's her husband and her one son that are currently still there. But in the past year, she's been in a car accident and both of her daughters have died. Um, and basically, so in her attempt to try to get to know more about this author, whose name is Verity, she finds a old manuscript for Verity's unpublished autobiography and uncovers a lot of information about this family <laughs> makes it a psychological thriller information indeed okay my favorite standalone remember those books i was talking about earlier with the lesbian genre that i was like i don't want to say because it's really basic um this is one of those books but it's basic in a way where it's basic because it's good and it's popular because it deserves to be and that is the seven husbands of evelyn hugo by taylor jenkins reed and in short it follows the story of a writer called monique who is up and coming however has not had her big break yet as a journalist however um one day basically gets her work gets an email from uh the golden age Hollywood superstar Evelyn Hugo, who I always imagine is like level of fame. We're talking like Marilyn Monroe meets Audrey Hepburn kind of fame. Like she was a mega star. And basically uh, Evelyn Hugo, who hasn't been seen in the, uh, in the public eye for years, basically reaches out to this random uh, company and says, I want only this unknown journalist called Monique to write my autobiography and for the first time ever in my entire life I'm going to reveal everything every every secret that everyone has ever wondered about me I'm going to unpack it all in this autobiography um, and I only want Monique to do it most specifically what she's going to divulge is the big mystery behind uh Evelyn Hugo's seven husbands that she notoriously had um and basically nobody knows why not even Monique herself knows why mega ex-superstar Evelyn Hugo wants only her to write her autobiography but you know nevertheless she ends up doing it and you basically follow the life of Evelyn Hugo as she explains it um in this one-of-a-kind story and yeah it's crazy towns it's great you will love it unless you are not cool <laughs> olivia 2022 <laughs> okay so with all that said thank you for your time today ew that was gross that's formal you decided to be here it's your fault if you didn't like it okay and if you did you're welcome Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Lily, any final words? No, I think I think you've covered it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.